Well, good afternoon. I'm on. Great. How are we doing? Great. Yeah. Great. We're good. Good. Yeah, you two guys are fine. It's everyone else I'm concerned about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good. Okay, well, um, <clears throat> just to say, what we're going to do this afternoon, as you can see from the uh, slide there, is we're going to speak on this subject of the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit. And uh, as Ian was saying, if you were expecting a next installment of Luke, that is available online or will be in the next couple of days. So, and I would really recommend that you listen to that. Ian spoke this morning, and I'm not just saying it because he's here. I thought he was outstanding. Yeah, yeah. It was really excellent, yeah, excellent yeah. material. So can I really recommend that you, um, you listen to that at some point? But uh, yeah, no, we're going to look at the subject of the Holy Spirit this afternoon, and we're also going to look at the subject of the Holy Spirit on the next Afternoon service. I suddenly forgot for a minute what it was. Um, so it's like a mini service. A mini service? Oh. Hang on, hang on a minute. There we go. Cheers. No, it's water, I can assure you. It's water. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at... <laughs> Hello, help. There we are, thank you. We're going to look at... Who is he? What does he do? Why is he important? Then we're going to look at the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we're going to look at the gifts and the fruits of the Spirit as well. We're not doing all that today, as I say. Ian will take the baptism of the Spirit and the, and the gifts and the fruits, one or two other things, uh, next month. But we, the reason we want to spend some good time looking at this subject of the Holy Spirit is because it is such an important area for us as Christians. Did you know that? Well, you do now. So, um, and I have to say, I think for many people, myself included, I became a Christian uh, as a teenager, but it was when I was filled with the Holy Spirit that suddenly something happened. Would anyone else say that happened? When they got filled with the Holy Spirit, yeah, a number of you would say, oh, yeah, suddenly there's passion for God, when it was kind of a bit sort of ordinary beforehand. Um, uh, suddenly there's a, a kind of a, a desire to share my faith when there wasn't uh, prior to that. And I think a lot of people would say, yeah, it's being uh, next to actually the salvation experience, being filled with the Holy Spirit would be the next most important kind of uh, thing in their Christian lives. And that's why I want to spend a couple of afternoons uh, looking at uh, this really important subject. I think um, trying to live the Christian life without being filled with the Holy Spirit is a bit like asking a car to drive without putting fuel in it. Or in Ian's case, a little bit like asking him to do a staff meeting without putting biscuits into him. It's, it just doesn't work. It doesn't, doesn't work. Cheesecake you prefer. Okay, well, we'll see if we can sort that out. Yeah, you've got to fuel the man before something will happen. And it's true for us as Christians. We need to be full and fueled uh, in order to be uh, effective. And I really hope that those of you who have never known, have never had this experience of being filled, this infilling or baptism of the Spirit, there are different names for it, uh, I trust that as we explore this subject, um, uh, this won't just be some information to you, but this will be impartation yeah. as well. I hope that what we do this, this week and, and next month uh, actually will result in a change for you. Because yeah. uh, the point of this is just isn't to increase your knowledge it's to help you walk with Jesus better. Boy, we want that, don't we? We want to walk with Jesus better. So, and uh, those of you who have been filled with the Holy Spirit, hey, the Bible says continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's something I personally pray for pretty much every day. I get before God and I say, God, 
You know the deal. I really need you. Holy Spirit, come again. Fill me uh, to enable me uh, today. And I'm seeing some nods around the room. So yes, good. I'm glad you do that too. So we need it freshly uh, as well. Um, Okay, so where do we start? Well, first thing I think I want to say about uh, the Holy Spirit is this. He is not scary. He is not scary. Uh, There are some people who I've met who really are quite anxious about being filled with the Holy Spirit or or even the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And they've heard someone speak in tongues and they've said, well, that's very weird and I'm not sure about that at all. And um, other uh, sort of common anxieties that seem to, uh, as you chat to people and just talk to them, they'll say things like this, will I be overtaken Will I be taken over by some strange force? I mean, will I, will I if I'm filled with the Spirit? <laughs> That's not funny. It's not funny. Don't laugh. When, when, they, walk, when they say, if, I, if I'm in Tesco and I'm filled with the Spirit, will I suddenly burst out speaking in tongues, unable to control myself? And will everyone turn around to me and say, oh, that person's weird? That's, I mean, you know, we laugh, but that's the genuine sense of concern that people have. Um, can I just say to you, no, 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 you won't be overtaken in some weird way. Um, I, I think for some people, it's even the name, Spirit, Holy Spirit, or it used to be Holy Ghost. Whoa, whoa. Golly gosh, that's... Whoa. And this kind of a sense, I certainly go back a few years, any sense of the supernatural was always bad, wasn't it? It was always some weird horror film. Oh, that's always... No, no, all you've got to do is open your Bible and ask the question, is God supernatural? Yes, he is, absolutely, all the time, on almost every page uh, in some parts of uh, of the Bible. So we recognize, no, God is a powerful God. He does stuff, um, and uh, you don't have to be frightened of him. Um, Now, some of you also may have been taught that the things of the Spirit are not for today. This is a a teaching that was around a few years ago. Fortunately, it's becoming less and less popular. Um, Nearly all the mainstream denominations now uh, seem to teach what I'm teaching you now, which is great. Um, And I just want to say to you, um, if you've been taught that the things of the Spirit are not for today, I can't see any biblical evidence for that at all. I really can't. So um, uh, don't let that put you off, I suppose, is what I'd like to say. Okay, so to help you, um, I'd just like to go through a few things about the Holy Spirit. That's the first thing. Let's start with the basics. The Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's the Trinity. He, He is three individual persons, three separate entities, yet somehow he is also all one. We worship one God. We sing that song, Three in One. It's uh, established Christian Orthodox uh, theology, uh, the Trinity. But let's just remember, the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. In other words, that means this, he is God. The Holy Spirit is God. That's who he is. He's also a person. He is known as the person of the Holy Spirit. I wonder if some of us just have forgotten that. Or never really fully understand. And sometimes, you know, as Christians, we don't help this. Sometimes, and I've probably done this as well, we talk about 
uh, Christians having an experience of the Spirit. Or we talk about um, uh, the Holy Spirit as a force or a power. Have you you've heard that kind of conversation? Um, you know, and it sort of adds to the sense of slight mysteriousness. Ooh, what's the Holy Spirit thing? All a bit weird. Dave Holden, who's the um, leader of our bit of New Frontiers, the New Ground Movement. Uh, New, New, New Frontiers is a family of churches that we're part of. And he said this, it's very difficult for people to relate to a force or an experience, but you can relate to a person. And when you realize this is the person of the Holy Spirit, you realize that you can have relationship with a person. In fact, the Bible encourages us to enjoy the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Some of you may have heard that uh, if you come from a slightly more uh, traditional background. Sometimes it's a benediction at the end, isn't it? And the blessing of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you from this day. And that's a real thing, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And it means this, have relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's what fellowshipping means. You talk to him. He knows you. You know him. <clears throat> so it's really important for us, I think, to see... That the Holy Spirit is a he, not an it. He's a he that you can talk to, not an it. And he's as real as God our Father and Jesus our Savior. And then we have the Holy Spirit. And I hope that just seeing that he's a person and that he's God actually will help you today to think, oh yeah, okay. The other thing therefore we need to look at is this. Because he is God, he has the same characteristics as God the Father and God the Son. Let me ask you a few questions. So, the Father and the Son, are they loving? Yeah, they are. So the Spirit is loving. Uh, The Father and the Son, are they kind and gentle? Yeah, so the Spirit is kind and gentle. Is uh, the Father and the Son, are they merciful? Yeah, they are. So the Spirit is merciful. So we we immediately get to understand the character of this person of the Holy Spirit. And he is kind, gracious, good, loving, and gentle, just like Father and Son. So you really don't have to be anxious or worried uh, about the Spirit. Okay, are you convinced? Good, that's two of you. Excellent. I've got a way to go yet. I didn't hear it from you actually this time. There'll be no biscuits on Monday morning. Huh? The, other th- the other thing I'd like to say is this. The Holy Spirit is not new. When you talk to um, some charismatic Christians, it's like, like the Holy Spirit was invented around 1988. And um, <clears throat> he, kinda, he didn't exist before that. And then uh, some people will say, well, you know, actually, no, uh, we'll go back a little bit further. And he seems to have popped up at the beginning of the New Testament. You know, when you have the experience of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit's poured out powerfully. Can I just say something? He's always been around. So when the Bible talks about creation, we'll go back to Genesis, right at the beginning. And it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it says, and the Spirit was doing what? Hovering Hovering over The waters, yeah. So the Holy Spirit was involved in the creation process. 
right at the beginning. There he is, active, powerful, doing his thing. Uh, And then as you read through your Old Testament, all the way through the Old Testament, you will see the Holy Spirit powerfully at work doing all sorts of different things, don't you? Yeah, so you see him, um, there's a guy, I can't think of his name now, but he, uh, it says when the Spirit of God came on him, he had an ability to be, to, to be very creative. He, he was great with uh, uh, gold working and metal working. So the Holy Spirit empowers people to be creative. We see the Holy Spirit uh, create, uh, empowering another person when, the Holy, when he came on this person to be very strong. Who am I talking about? Samson, absolutely. So God gives strength. What else does he empower? He empowers some prophets to work miracles. Have you read that? Have you read? Yeah, hello? Uh, Yes, good. The odd nod is good. Excellent. Um, So uh, we see prophecy cropping up when the Holy Spirit comes on someone. Sometimes there are leadership skills that the Holy Spirit provokes. Have you noticed that one? He, He empowers people to lead. Or he empowers people sometimes to be wise. The Spirit of God is constantly at work, right from the beginning and has been all the time. So he doesn't suddenly crop up at the beginning of the New Testament. Now, uh, one thing we just should see, with the arrival of Jesus, there is a slight change. In fact, a very significant change. So when Jesus is baptized, we see the dove representing the Holy Spirit, comes down, and what does it do? It rests on him. Question, does it go away again? No, it doesn't. So suddenly, under the Old Testament, what would happen is it says the Spirit of God would come upon somebody and rest upon them, and then he would withdraw. And then again, when, they, when something was needed, they would cry out to God and the Spirit would come and rest on them and then we draw. Suddenly with Jesus, we're seeing a different model. Suddenly the Holy Spirit comes and stays. Jesus is setting a new example. He's showing us how things are going to be. Now the Holy Spirit remains on us, on you and me. This is a big difference between the old covenant and the new Okay, now, um, yeah, I'll also talk about this as well. I think um, in the Old Testament as well, when you you look at the character of the Holy Spirit, you recognize, though, there was great restriction. There was great restriction. Not everybody could have access to the things of the Spirit. Uh, um, So it was just generally a a group of prophets, and the Spirit would come upon them, and then they would prophesy But uh, Joel, who was a a prophet in the Old Testament, said a day is coming when all of that's going to change. And when all believers at that point will be able to prophesy. And all believers will be filled with the Spirit. And uh, we know that prophecy, don't we? And he says that both men and women, both high-born and low-born, both the young and the old, and uh, you know, your father's generation and your generation, and actually Jew and Gentile, will be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's such an exciting day in God's mind that he sends Joel to say, I'm going to talk about this you know, hundreds of years in advance because I can't wait for the day of Pentecost. When I pour out my spirit on all believers. We're in that day now. We're in that day now. 
when God wants to pour out his spirit on all believers. Right, how does Jesus introduce the Holy Spirit to his disciples? So I thought it would be worth taking a quick look at that. Because the day comes, uh, we read about it in John 14 and 16, Gospel of John, and he says to his disciples, Hey guys, I am going to leave you now, very shortly, and I'm going to go back to my father. And they are devastated, aren't they? Do you remember reading about this? They are absolutely devastated. The idea of living without Jesus was appalling for them. But Jesus says to them, but don't worry, because I am going to send you a helper. I'm going to send you a helper. And of course, we know he was referring to the Holy Spirit. And Jesus even says this to them. Hey, let me tell you something. It's to your advantage that I go away. You're going to do well out of this. Now, they couldn't understand that. But he's saying, no, because the Spirit will come and he will fill you and he will never leave you. Wow. Now, the Bible says, our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Well, what is a temple? A temple is where God lives. So our bodies now... When we're filled with the Spirit, when the Spirit, when we become a Christian, the Spirit of God comes into us and He lives in us. That's God's plan for us to be full of the Holy Spirit. You can look happy about that, by the way. <laughs> you will look rather intense at the moment. The other thing that I think is really important to understand why we need to understand the Holy Spirit is because this He's the one who's currently on earth. If I said to you, where is the Father right now? Where is he? In heaven. Our Father who art in heaven. Where is Jesus right now? Yeah, he's in heaven. He's at the right hand of God the Father. And he's constantly interceding for us. Where is the Holy Spirit right now? Here. Yeah, he's the one who's on earth right now. Boy, Christians, it's really important to understand the Holy Spirit. He, he, he's the bit of God who's with us right now. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. I'm going to bring my own encourager one day, I think. You're doing well, boys, but you know. Okay. What does the Holy Spirit do? Let's have a look at that. What does the Holy Spirit do? And this is primarily taken from John 14 and 16. Well, here we go. The Holy Spirit helps us to know that God is our Father. You see, when you become a Christian, you can know that intellectually. You can tick that off, can't you? And say, I am now a Christian, God is my Father, and that's all very nice. But actually, we read in Romans, this is what the Holy Spirit does. He comes in and he cries out, Abba, Father, Daddy. It was very helpful, actually, having uh, your two girls here just uh, earlier on. I think we did this. Obviously, we planned this, didn't we? No, we didn't, actually. But, um. Because kids really tell you what's going on, don't they? Because when, when your kids are small, what they do, and they see you, and they see Dad or Mum, they'll go, oh, Mum, Dad, can pick me up. I trust you. I like you. I love you. I just, this is obviously provided you haven't you know, fallen out. 
But, but generally, that's what they do. I want you to pick me up. If they come up to some other guy, they'll say, oh, I don't know you. Who are you? I'm not, I don't want you to pick me up. Oh, no. Who are you? But dad, yes, I know you. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us. So that when we approach Father, we say, oh, Father, I know you. This relationship, heartfelt relationship between us, not cold intellectual concept. It's what will bring God close to you rather than being far away from you. So that's the first thing. The Spirit helps us to know that God is our Father. He also, we read in John 14, reveals Jesus. Jesus said, the Spirit will glorify me. And this is possibly part of the reason why we know so little about the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit isn't working hard at trying to show himself off. He is working hard at trying to show you who Jesus is. So he's saying, and that's, yeah, that's right. So, So that's why we're not always particularly aware of him. The Spirit also does this. We see this from verse 26. He teaches us and reminds us about God's truth. How many of you, when you've been reading your Bible, and you've been reading that morning, suddenly a verse goes, boom! You know those eyes, on those funny eyes on those glasses that go, bong! Sometimes you, well, all right, not quite like that, but, but sometimes it can be like that when you read your Bible. Like a verse goes, whoa! What's happening there? That's the Holy Spirit teaching you about God and what he's like. He's, he's alongside you. The person of the Holy Spirit is alongside you as you're reading, saying, let me show you this. Whoa! That's the job that he is doing. Um, and uh, he also will remind you, when you're just about to do something that you shouldn't, <laughs> he will say, um, hang on, what, 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 is that right? And sometimes, if you know you're just tempted to do something you shouldn't, sometimes there's just that moment, isn't there, where you think, oh, hang on, no, I shouldn't, I'm not going to do that. That's the Holy Spirit. What else does he do? Well, he convicts of sin. We get this from uh, uh, John 16, 8 to 9. And uh, so that means that even before you became a Christian, the Holy Spirit was at work in your life. He was saying, let me show you some stuff that needs to be sorted out. Let me show you a problem. This is why you need to be saved. This is why you need to be born again. This is why you need your sin forgiven. And I'm going to show you what you've done. Um, I would say this also carries on after you became a Christian. I can remember uh, uh, before I was a Christian, uh, uh, I used to use the name of Jesus as a swear word a lot. And I can remember learning that at primary school. And uh, I can remember all the other kids were doing it, and I thought it was really cool. I thought, yeah, I could do that. And it just became part of who I was. And then around about the age of 15 or 16, I became a Christian, and I can remember even where I was. I used to play lots of tennis. I know you wouldn't believe that now, looking at me. But I, um, I used to play lots of tennis. I was walking back from the tennis club, just minding my own business, and then it suddenly hit me like a bolt from the blue. What are you doing doing that? And it was just, I remember saying, God, I am so sorry. I will never do that again. It was a deep sense of, this must change in my life. Well, where did that come from? I think I just won the game anyway. 
No, it's the Holy Spirit. Wonderfully, he comes and points out stuff so we can get away from sin because sin is always bad in our lives. Okay, so what's he doing then? The Holy Spirit, what does he do? Basically, if we round it up, it's this. He helps us live the Christian life. He is wonderful. Boy, is he a helper. Do you see why you can't do it without him? Why you need to be filled and filled again. And uh, we, we also see the impact of being filled with the Holy Spirit on the disciples. So um, if you look at the beginning of uh, Acts, what do you see? You see 120 people huddled in a locked upper room. And they honestly don't look like much, do they? They are frightened. Jesus has gone. And they are thinking, what on earth is going to happen now? You know, those Romans are out there, and we're not popular uh, with the Jewish authorities. Uh, And you can look at that and say, well, uh, I don't give much for Christianity. Then the Holy Spirit comes. Then they have the day of Pentecost. And what are they like after the day of Pentecost? Well, they are transformed. They are not frightened. They are bold. They are out in the streets proclaiming who Jesus is. And the only difference is the person of the Holy Spirit and his work in our lives. It transforms those guys. And we know Christianity has done rather well over the years, hasn't it? Could do better. Right. So how do you then get to know the Holy Spirit? Well, uh, John 7, Jesus stood up uh, at a feast. And he said, basically, if you believe, I'm encouraging you to be thirsty. Be thirsty for the things of the Spirit. And I would encourage you to be thirsty every single day. Be thirsty for the baptism of the Spirit So, yeah, that's the first thing. You have to believe. You have to believe in Christ as your Savior. Then be thirsty for him. And the other thing is, don't resist or quench him. Did you know you have the power to grieve or to quench or to resist the Holy Spirit? We, we all individually do that. Um, we, see, um, uh, we see that when Stephen... Uh, rebukes the Jewish authorities and he says you have always resisted the spirit so how do you not quench him well I think we are thirsty for him and I think the other thing is we need to acknowledge that we need him That, that comes with a humble heart doesn't it to say God I can't do this unless you fill me and for some people it will make Christianity Uh, a tough thing into something that's doable, possible, and something that's full of joy and power. Mm. Lastly then, the Bible speaks about being filled with the Holy Spirit, and we see an example of when this happens, when there's a character called Ananias, and uh, God speaks to him one day, and he says, I want you to go to this guy Paul and pray for him. And uh, you know the story. Ananias is really nervous about it because Paul at this time had been going around persecuting Christians. Then God meets him on the road to Emmaus one day. Bang! Knocks him off his horse and he's blind. And he goes into the city and God speaks to Ananias and says, I want you to go to him 
and I want you to lay hands on him. In fact, let me just read you from Acts uh, 9. It says this, Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. He placed his hands on Saul, and he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So there's the model. That's the biblical model. We put our hands on people and we pray, Holy Spirit, please come and fill this person. Amen. And then the rest is up to God. And you can be confident that this kind, loving, good part of the Trinity who said, I come to live within you, will come and fill you. And he's really good. So, Ian, how do we want to do that? He wants to come and meet with you. And are you thirsty for him? Are you thirsty for him? Because you can ask for that thirst. So I'm going to pray, uh, and then we're going to start. We're going to sing a song, and then we'll uh, we'll maybe respond after that. So, Lord. We love you. Thank you that you come and meet with us. And if you're thirsty for him, just say, Lord. And if you're not sensing this, this is, might be new to you, say, Lord, give me that thirst. You can ask him for that. Ask him for that thirst. Say, Lord, will you give me that thirst? And if, you, if this is completely new to you, if you don't believe, if you haven't given your life to Christ, but you think, yeah, I need those things that he was talking about, you can give your life to him today, right now. And all you have to do is say a few simple words. You can just say him after me, just in the quietness of your heart. Just three simple words. Sorry, thank you, please. Lord Jesus, thank you that you died for me, for my sins on the cross. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you died for me. Please forgive me for my sin and come and take first place in my life. Thank you that you love me. And will you come now and fill me with your Holy Spirit?